Hey everybody, I'm Sam Butler, sports editor of the Auburn Plainsman, joined by Evan McCullers, assistant sports editor, and welcome to the newly renamed Hot Takes Podcast, and this week we will be discussing Auburn's debacle against Jacksonville State, and previewing the game against LSU this weekend down in Baton Rouge. Start off, Auburn waltzed into last weekend, home opener, got the new video board unveiling and everything. Jacksonville State, pretty decent FCS school, but nevertheless still an FCS school. Came in here, nothing to lose, and probably should have beaten Auburn. Why did they almost beat Auburn? Well, I don't think you can put your finger on one part of it. Uh, The quarterback play, once again, uh, left some things to be desired. Uh, Jeremy Johnson threw another two interceptions after his three against Louisville and had several other throws that were um, not on target and just didn't really look comfortable out there. It looked like he was forcing things again, uh, really just like he did against Louisville. And then defensively, they gave up uh, you know, a lot of yards kind of bent but didn't break. But still, that's worrisome when you give up that many yards against an FCS school, even though, like you said, they are a really good FCS school, especially on the vertical throws down the field. That's something that Auburn really struggled to defend against Jacksonville State. Uh, the, the go routes, the fade routes down the sideline, the defensive backs really had trouble with those. And the Jacksonville State receivers won – most of the 50-50 balls, uh, as the coaching, coaching staff put it, uh, had a lot of guys in position to make plays, and they just didn't make them. So, you know, you wonder if that's something that can be corrected in just a week, you know, that all of a sudden they're going to make the plays in LSU to win the game. But the bottom line is they didn't last weekend, and so that's kind of what we have to go off of right now. But once again, for the offense – Peyton Barber was the bright spot, especially late in the game. And you could argue, and I think you could have a pretty good argument, that without him, Auburn is 1-1, one one, maybe even 0-2 right now. Yeah, there's a good shot that they would be winless at this point right now. Everyone kind of figured Rock Thomas would be the starter. Actually, before that, everyone figured Javon Robinson would come in and just waltz straight into the starting job. But that didn't really happen. Rock started the season as the starter, and literally and figuratively fumbled it away. That uh, almost game-clinching fumble there against Jacksonville State yeah. at the end when they were driving, eerily reminiscent of Texas A&M last year. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah, Peyton Barber stepped up, back-to-back 100-yard games, and this week he is the starter on the depth chart, officially released this week, and there's no or next to his name or anything. He's the starter. He's the guy from now on. I think you have to have a guy from now on going ahead especially headed into Baton Rouge and Death Valley, you can't have that running back by committee when you're going into one of the most volatile road environments in college football. You've got to have a guy you can lean on. Yeah. And I think that's going to be huge if they can get him going for Jeremy. Because Jeremy yeah, has absolutely. got to figure it out this week. There is no more room for error. There's no more staring receivers down. There's no more ignoring linebackers hiding underneath your routes. He's got to be probably basically perfect this week or else Auburn's losing. Yeah, if he plays uh, anywhere near as badly as he did the first two weeks, um, Auburn's going to be 2-1, and and there's no doubt about that. Uh, The the LSU defense, I mean, they've got a lot of talent. It's a typical LSU defense. You know, they're 
talented from the defensive line all the way back through the secondary, and they have depth all through the defense. And it's going to be a big challenge. Uh, but we'll see if Jeremy can can get back on the right track. But going back to the running backs, you know, I think it'd be one thing if the if all three running backs that came into the season with you know fighting for the starting position had played well. Uh, but we haven't seen. I think Javon Robinson got two carries against Louisville, didn't really do anything. Then he got hurt and didn't play uh, against Jacksonville State. Was right. dressed out and was supposedly healthy and just did not play. And so that's a little bit of a red flag uh, for him. And then you've also got Rock Thomas, like you said, who um, got also got hurt in the Louisville game and then had the huge mistake at the end of the Jacksonville State game. So I don't really, you know, if I were a coach, I wouldn't really trust him on the road right now in that environment. Absolutely. So I think Barber's the guy you have to lean on. Uh, I think he's the really the only option at this point. Not to say those other guys won't get carries, but – um, you know, I think he's the guy you got to go to in crunch time now. And then, you know, we're forgetting about Carrion Johnson. The coaches said that he might get a few touches in Baton Rouge as well. But that's mm-hmm. obviously a dangerous situation to throw a true freshman into, you know, getting his hands on the ball on the road if you can avoid it. Yeah, he did contribute a fairly significant, I guess, play in overtime against Jacksonville State and the coaches like that, being able to count on a freshman to make yeah. a big play when it really counts. But yeah, you don't want to put the game on the line against with a true freshman no, on not the road, all. especially against LSU. And then Duke Williams, kind of by extension of Jeremy's struggles, hasn't really done that hot himself either. But uh, you can't really blame him for that. He had, I think he's dropped a few. Yeah, he's had a couple of kind of uncharacteristic drops this year that I've noticed. Yeah, but he's only gotten like 10 targets anyway, and that's Jeremy really more than anything. I don't think he's staring down. They're playing Duke more in the slot than they did last year, Mm -hmm. and I don't know what's going on. I don't know. They should probably work him more inside, quick little hitters, slants, things like that to get Duke going and Jeremy going, I guess, too. Yeah, his stock for the draft is plummeting, and I but I don't know if you can really blame him for that. Yeah, and like you said, that I think that needs to be part of the game plan for both of them because, like you said, Jeremy needs some quick, easy reads to kind of get him in a rhythm after the two games that he's had, and then also to, get, to work Duke into the game plan because, as you said, they have moved him back to the Y. Uh, they moved him in the offseason to the X, which is the outside receiver, and they've moved him back into the slot. So, and that's, this is a big game for him. Obviously, the first SEC game is big for the team and everything, but uh, he's from southern Louisiana, and, yeah. and I, I know it's a big deal. It was down, I believe, in his recruiting to Auburn and LSU coming out of junior college, mm-hmm. and uh, he chose to come to Auburn. And Shout out to Tom Green of the OA News, who wrote a pretty good feature on uh, Duke Williams and his life in LSU, uh, Louisiana yep. before coming to Auburn. Yeah, uh, you know, so, so that's going to be – a big deal for him, I'm sure, to go back home and, and you know be around where he grew up. I'm sure it is for, for all the guys. We saw that with a lot of the guys in Atlanta that were from there yep. and got a chance to go back to the Dome. So I'm yep. sure it's the same thing with, with Duke. So we'll see how much he's worked in the, into the game plan this weekend. But one guy that's really taken his spot, I guess you could say, is the, the wide receiver one is Ricardo Lewis. And he's really – Stepped up, he's kind of come out of nowhere and been the go-to guy for Jeremy. I think he had double-digit catches last weekend. 
if he didn't get there, he was close. Yeah, yeah, he had a career high. I know that. Yeah. And so, you know, he's really stepped into yeah, that. Outside board. of the uh, prayer and Drew and Harry in 2013, he'd been really known for anything more than just being consi- inconsistent. Yeah. He'd been plagued by drops and the inability to do anything other than being a deep burner and a guy that does a lot of fly sweeps. But he's basically been Jeremy's go to guy so far. He's been the chain mover, he's been the rock solid threat you can throw to on third and long. Which everyone assumed would be Duke right now, and I yeah. guess still could be heading forward. But it's kind of nice to see Ricardo stepping up, and he's been very vocal about that, at least in talking to us and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we heard from the coaching staff uh, before the season that he was going to be a guy to watch out for, and given what we've seen in the past, you know, everyone was kind of skeptical about that because right. we had just seen him, you know, throw. He was just throwing too deep, really, and like you said, on the jet sweeps and stuff like that, but. Uh, kind of a speed threat, but he's really become a more well-rounded receiver, I think, overall this year from what we've seen so far. And they're going to need all the receivers on the road at LSU. You know, we've seen not just Duke, but several drops in the first few games. And they've got to be consistent for Jeremy when he does put it on the money. Right. Um, You know, because that can help get him into a rhythm when you start completing the short passes and get that that game rolling. So uh, we'll see how they do. But on the other side of the ball – uh, you got the defense who, you know, they've given up a ton of yards in the first two games, a little yep. over 400 against Louisville, and then in the somewhere in the 430s, I want to say 438 against Jacksonville State. Uh, but against Louisville, they gave up 24 points. Against Jacksonville State, they gave up 20. And I think with what we've seen from the offense the past couple of years, if you would have told fans that coming into this year that – the defense would have given up those point totals in the first two games, they would assume that we were just blowing people out because the offense is used to putting up better numbers than this, and they're not. So I think a lot of the, the blame can go to them right now, but I think the defense, as much as many yards as they've given up, has really um, taken on that bend-don't-break personality that yeah. we talked about earlier. Really similar to 2013. That's what yeah. Ellis Johnson's guys are really known for. They give up huge chunks of yardage, but when they got in the red zone, they'd dig their heels into the end zone, and they would do whatever they could to keep them out of scoring. I think well, most champs trying to bring and instill that new mindset of being the aggressor on defense instead of waiting to receive whatever the offense is, t- is giving out. But I think it's going to take a while for that mindset to completely take over the defense as a whole. And... More than anything, I think these first couple games are just a bit of a learning curve. And honestly, I'd expect it to settle down a little bit more through the rest of the year. But they've still got stuff to work on. It's going to take a while, that's for sure. And, uh, yeah, a lot of it's due to several young guys on uh, the defense. Lots of freshmen like uh, Tim Irvin, Jeremiah Denson, Carlton Davis, Jeff Holland, Coward, Coward. Jeff Holland. All of those guys are getting significant playing time, which you wouldn't, wouldn't really expect from an SEC defense. But given that they are, that's where we're at. They're being forced to step up, and honestly, they're doing a pretty good job. They're still making freshman mistakes like you'd expect them to. But guys like uh, Tim, especially, who started against Louisville, he's playing well beyond his years. Mm-hmm. And I think he's going to be really rock solid headed into the future for Auburn, at least for the next couple of years. And the same goes for the other guys. Yep. Once Byron Cowart realizes his potential and grows as the player he's supposed to be, he's going to be a freak of nature. If he can really get the 
progressions going the rest of the year and Carl Lawson can stay healthy, then that defensive line is going to be an animal. Yeah. So that's really the key. Going back, especially Irvin, um, with we'll talk about injuries in a minute, but Josh Holsey out for the year now yep. uh, with a torn ACL. You hate to hear that about him, but uh, you know a guy that we've only heard good things about and has has really been a contributor the last few years. And he's a senior this year. And um, but anyway, he went down, and Tim Irvin is the nickel now. I mean, he's really the only guy they have there uh, without having to move other pieces around in the secondary. So he's going to have to play extensive snaps, especially against the spread offenses that Auburn has on the schedule down the road. And he's going to have to play, like you said, well beyond his years. And I, I think from what we've seen so far, he's very capable of that. And that goes for the other guys in the secondary as well. Right. Uh, Carlton Davis and Jeremiah Denson, the two freshmen that were playing actually out there at the same time at corner yep. on Saturday at times, um, which is, you know, you don't see that much, but, Muschamp said before the year that he was not going to be afraid to play young guys, and uh, he hasn't been in the past, and he certainly hasn't shot away from it this year. And he said if they can play, they're going to be out there, and so far that's been true. Yeah, yeah, it sure has. And uh, I don't know why this popped in my mind, but just going back to Jeremy for a second, one thing I noticed was that, especially there at the end during crunch time, when he really started getting everything together, he was really pretty spectacular. Oh yeah, final drive. yeah. Late in the game and in overtime, he handled himself very, very well, and, and you got to give him credit for that, um, definitely. And and we were um, mistaken to not mention that before, yeah. because you know we were just talking about his mistakes. But yeah, late in the game, he was very good, and if he can keep up that type of play, uh, then I think Auburn's going to be just fine going forward. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's I'm, just got to eliminate those early game mistakes. I think I mentioned it in my column this week, but he does a whole lot better when he's not overthinking what he's about to do. Yeah. When he's being forced to play in that crunch time pressure-filled scenario, when he doesn't have time to diagnose and overanalyze everything that's in front of him and he has to just play to his instincts, which is what made him so great, he does fine. He does fantastically. Yeah. And we saw that when he went through, what, his fourth read on that Peyton Barber swing pass? Yeah, and, and, and overtime gets or up fourth Keith, down, whatever. Key third down yeah. conversion. And, that's right. And, uh, you know, keeps the the drive alive in overtime and yeah big play and then he had the the touchdown pass to melvin ray at the yeah. beginning or i'm sorry at the end of regulation that even got them to overtime because it looked like auburn was just going to lose in regulation there for mm-hmm. a minute but uh, a big drive there and, and you know hopefully you'd like to see jeremy build off that going forward and and get back on the right track because we know he's got a lot of talent and he just hasn't yeah. shown it so far yeah but, so we'll see where that goes going forward. But like we, we touched on it a minute ago, but lots of injuries. Uh, we've heard it was a physical fall camp. Uh, you had a, a tough game against Louisville that everyone expected to be tough, and then you had a game against Jacksonville State that ended up being tough, which people didn't expect. But uh, several injuries, so what have we heard about those? Well, like you said, Josh Holsey, who went down in the Jacksonville State game with a left knee injury officially, has torn his ACL. It's the same ACL that he tore back in 2013 against Texas A&M. He will miss the season, leaving that already depleted secondary woefully thin. Yes. But uh, what they've said, they've talked about possibly getting a medical registered for Josh Holdy, who's a senior, so he'd be a fifth-year player next year if they can get that to go through. So he would be able to come back in 2016. 
be a huge boost, obviously, but for the time being, that's a huge loss. Other news, Carl Lawson, reportedly still on crutches, although Tom from OA said that uh, in the athletics complex, although he had his crutches, he was going up the stairs without them. And one of our writers, Nathan Deal, said that he saw him on campus without crutches at all. So still kind of wishy-washy on his current status, but hopefully he can play because we saw what he can do when he's on that field. Yeah, yeah we haven't really seen the Auburn defense at his full strength since the first half of the Louisville game no. when they shut him out. So I don't really know. Trey Matthews missed last game. I figure he'll be able to go this game. I would think so. You know, we didn't see – he didn't have any padding or anything that we could see on that shoulder. Uh, yeah, just, street, out. just street clothes. Yeah, he was just in street clothes, wasn't dressed out. But I would be kind of surprised to not see him out there this week. Uh, Carl, on the other hand, I'm not so sure about – you know, the. it's a good sign that we're seeing him, you know, do things under his own power. But the fact that it's – we're filming this on Thursday, yep. and we're talking about crutches. Doesn't the greatest doesn't bode well for his status, uh, at least for this week. So, to be honest with you, I think I would be kind of surprised to see him out there Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you certainly hope that he can get back because you would like to see uh, both teams, you know, at full strength and and going at each other in, a, in one of those classic SEC battles that Auburn and LSU are known for. Uh, and Auburn's defense is certainly a different animal with him out there. So, yeah. And Blake Countess, who got ejected for targeting against Jacksonville State, will also be back. Yeah. And that was something a lot of people missed, I would say, was that Auburn's defense was incredibly thin against the Jacksonville State game. Tons yeah. of injuries, and then you had Countess missing. Yeah. And like we talked about, they were second you know, half. They had all the young guys out there yeah. replacing them, and so you've got the inexperience out there. I think all of those factors kind of came together and made it tough to to defend, you know, in the second half. But Countess got really fortunate with that penalty because it came in the with I believe about ninety seconds left in the first half, and had that penalty been in the second half, uh, he would have been thrown out for the or suspended for the first half of the LSU game because mm-hmm. you have to set out. To, technically, you have to be sitting in two halves. So that was the first half and the second half against Jacksonville State. Uh, but, you know, Auburn was very fortunate that he that, that happened when it did. Yep. Um, and so he's going to be back for the entirety of the LSU game instead of having to miss the first half. Yep. And going into this game, they're going to need him and everybody because they've got to stop Leonard Fournette. Yes. He ran for, what was it, 150-something yards against Mississippi State. Everybody really knows what this guy's capable of. Definitely in the Heisman conversation, he's going to be until he leaves LSU more than likely. He is just an animal in every sense of the word. And Rudy Ford, this week in a press conference, posted up some bulletin board material for LSU saying that uh, stopping Leonard Fournette wouldn't be that much of a challenge. And that's kind of taken a little bit out of context, but still. The national, the national network's got a hold of that, and they've been running with it. And then yep. Yeah, the, the question was, um, you know, how do you expect to stop Leonard Fournette? And he basically was talking about how he trusts in, in his team and his guys that he believes in his front seven uh, to and the secondary, for that matter, to come up and run support and to be able to slow him down. 
But uh, the first line uh, when he said, quote, that shouldn't be difficult, end quote, that's, yeah. uh, you know, obviously not ideal uh, for a guy that carried the ball 28 times last week at Mississippi State in a tough environment against a pretty decent defense and racked up 157 yards and three touchdowns. Um, you know, he doesn't really need any extra motivation, I wouldn't think. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, Auburn gave it to him. But it's kind of going both ways, the trash talk, uh, yep. because we had a an LSU defensive back, cornerback um, Dwayne Thomas for LSU. Uh, speaking of, of Jeremy Johnson, he said that uh, if we play our technique right, if we do the fundamentals and have our eyes in the right place, he should be able to throw us one, if not hand it to us. Yeah, so that's so, uh, some strong words going both ways. I'm very, I'm you know. very respecting no. Jeremy Johnson's talents. No. Um, I mean, but he hasn't really done anything to garner that respect. So yeah, yeah we haven't seen it on the field, but you know, you think that could be some, as you said, bulletin board material. Maybe uh, light a fire under for Jeremy also. Yeah, uh, when you, you've got an opposing defensive back saying we're looking forward to him giving us a few, yep. um, you know, that, that could provide a little extra motivation in a game where really neither team needs it because this is Auburn LSU. You know, it's always a, a slugfest. But, you know, both teams definitely are going to be going at each other even more now after the, the off-the-field comments. But another thing that's always important in, in of course, every game, but – especially in SEC play in these close games, which we, I think, figure Auburn-LSU to be uh, kind of a four-quarter game as special teams. And Auburn has had a guy step up there uh, and probably, as bad as this is to say, he's probably the best guy on the team right now. Yeah, Daniel uh, Carlson's been phenomenal. Yeah. Second-year kicker. He took uh, care of kicking and punting duties last year. But with the emergence of Kevin Phillips as a punter, Daniel Carlson's been able to focus only on kicking. And the way he's been handling it so far, he's been phenomenal. Yeah, and, you know, you get him, of course, on the field goals, but also an overlooked aspect most of the time is the kickoffs. And I don't think he's left a kickoff short of the end zone this year so far. I think there was one. Okay. I think he did one. Maybe maybe one or two. Uh, But he's putting it in the end zone a good chunk of the time. Yeah, nearly every time. And with, you know, that's always important, but with Leonard Fournette back there returning kicks. Yep. You, you don't want to give him anything. You don't want to give him any more touches than you have to. And LSU's offense is going to have give him plenty of touches already. Yep. So, you know, as much as you can keep the ball out of his hands, that's something that you definitely want to do. So I would expect Carlson to, uh, to be able to do that this Saturday, and that's going to be a, a big something to watch. Last year, in the game. Auburn did smoke LSU 41-7. to That was the only game that Brandon Harris started for LSU. And he will be starting this year. He is their starter for the entire year. Anthony Jennings is not. But this game is in Baton Rouge, where Auburn hasn't won since 1999. The home team is 13-2 and in the last 15 games of this series. How do you think this thing's going to shake out? Not looking good for Auburn, statistics-wise. No, no, it definitely doesn't. Um, with, you know, the struggles we've seen from Auburn in the first two weeks, you know, that's it's going to be tough against any SEC team. But then the fact that you have to go to Death Valley, one of the toughest places to play in college football. And Granted, it isn't at night, so that's yep. a big uh, factor there because um, we've always known 
LSU is a tougher place to play. It is at, an afternoon game at by night. CBS, and their telecast take a good four and a half hours. It will end at so night. So it will be at night by the That's time That's true. The over. lights at Tiger Stadium will be on by the yeah. time uh, this so, all the CBS by the, over, by the time it's over, it will be a night game. Yes. Uh, it will not kick off at night, though. So... You know that that's a little bit of a factor, but I'm sure the LSU fans, no matter what time of day it is, uh, they're going to be plenty rowdy and ready to go. And you know, like we've said several times, uh, Auburn LSU is always a huge game when it comes to the SEC West and the SEC as a whole. So both fan bases know the importance of this game. They always get up for this game. Um, I think both teams, like we talked about, with kind of the trash talk. You know, they're as much as they they have trash talked a little bit. I think both teams respect each other mm-hmm. because of the battles that they've had in the past. And I think it's going to be a, a really tough physical game. Uh, I do have Auburn losing to LSU. I don't believe you do. Um, but uh, I, I don't think, just from what I've seen so far, um, you know, I, I don't think Auburn is ready to go into an environment like that and win a game against a good SEC team. Uh, I just haven't seen the, the ability to do that from their play so far. So I'll go LSU, uh, say LSU 28, Auburn 17. Yeah, on the other end, I think this is one of those games that Auburn's really known for where everyone's kind of picking against them because they're not as good as they think they're going to be. And then when all eyes are off them, Auburn comes in and just shocks the world, which they're apt to do. I think uh, Jeremy struggles are going to be resolved a little bit. I don't think he's going to go anywhere for like 400 yards and three touchdowns and no picks or anything. But I don't think we're going to see anything as bad as what we've seen the first two weeks. I think he's going to have a better game plan, which Gus has said a lot of this week, trying to put him in better positions, allow him to make safer plays. I think they're going to get him going. I think now that they've got Peyton Barber established as the guy in the backfield, that's going to take a burden off their shoulders. And I think the return of some defensive players is going to help a lot. And I just don't think that LSU is that good this year. Yeah, I kind of had that. squeak past Mississippi State. I kind of had that same opinion uh, in the preseason, but I, I had a little bit different opinion about that Mississippi State win. I actually picked Mississippi State because LSU's first game of the season was canceled in Baton Rouge, and Mm -hmm. they had a new starting quarterback and going into Davis-Wade Stadium at Mississippi State, uh, I think it's an underrated place to play. And, you know, I didn't expect LSU to be able to go in there and win, and they did. No, you know, Mississippi State is not an elite team, but I think they're a decent team, as every team in the SEC West is. And I think any time you can get a win on the road uh, against a good SEC team, I think that's something to to look at and to be respected, and so I, I was, you know, kind of surprised by the LSU win, but really impressed, and especially with the way Fournette played. I don't know how you could not be impressed mm-hmm. with that. Um, but yeah, we got a little competition on the uh, yeah. the Plainsman football coverage this week. Uh, I've got LSU, Sam's got Auburn, so uh, mm-hmm. not the first time we've disagreed on our picks this year. I just think that. Uh... Last week against Jacksonville State was a pretty good wake-up call for this team. I think the defense and the offense are both going to have a fire under their bellies for this week, and I think they're going to come out ready to play. And I think that 
Auburn's best player, Daniel Carlson, is going to come through in the end and nail a 50-yarder to win the game and break the tie as time expires. So, yeah, I think I'm going to take Auburn 27-24 to in a closely contested match down in Death Valley. Another instant classic. Another classic. Auburn LSU. Well, that's really it for this week. Uh, I guess we'll be back next week to preview the home SEC opener against those Mississippi State Bulldogs. Yep. Until then, I'm Sam. That's Evan, and this has been the newly renamed Hot Takes Podcast. We will see you guys next week. See you. Podcast on the Plains Sports Edition was produced with the assistance of 91.1 WEGL. The intro song Freestyle 30 by Benjamin Banger was provided by the Free Music Archive. For any questions about this podcast, email sports at theplainsman.com. <laughs>